Hi, it's Candace Patton, and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Flash Podcast, your podcast for all things related to CW to Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. I'm one of your hosts, Andy B, as always, and with me are my fabulous co-hosts, Scott Murray and Lauren Galloway. How are you guys doing today? Very yeah. well. How are you? I'm uh, I'm hyped today. I um I haven't been able to sleep since last night at the time of recording, and um, I'm hyped too. You want to know why? Because, because you have a, a BB-8 now. Because Iris and I both love mint chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> well, you know, well, see, this is—it's one of the many reasons why to love Iris. Like, I have problems oh. with Iris in this episode, perhaps, but I do love the fact that both of our favorite ice creams are mint chocolate chip. That's my favorite too. And I do what she did as a kid, even today. I just walk in and go, mint chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip. <laughs> well, I guess Scott is our Irish wizard of, uh, of the Flash <laughs> podcast. Um, and Lauren, how are you doing today? Uh, how are, you, uh, are you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks. Awesome. Well, there are no Flash to talk about. Uh, so let's talk about this week of, of, uh, of the Flash. Uh, episode four, The Fury of Firestorm. All right. Well, obviously, uh, a big key component of this episode was the new Firestorm, Jax Jackson. And, uh, of course, they had the decision to make between him and Henry Hewitt. And uh, it was a really interesting dynamic as to why one worked and why one didn't. And the one that you know didn't work ended up becoming a villain, uh, a very angry villain in the show. Um and I, I thought uh, both of these guys were really, really good. I especially love uh, Jax Jackson um, as as the new um, counterpart to um, Firestorm. My question was, and this could be just my um, lack of knowledge about the you know the entire backstory, or maybe this is just something that the show is doing. Why did they choose to do this? Was what I was wondering. I mean, I love, I love the new tandem. I love the guy that's playing Jackson a lot. But I'm just wondering what made them choose to disconnect one and make a new one. Well, it's from what we've learned in interviews and in uh, in press and so on. What's been going on is that Robbie Mel is, you know, he, you know, he's, you know, his career is, you know, really taking off and so on because you know of the duff and you know he's doing you know multiple projects now like the x files and a couple of movies and so on so um 
you know, they, you know, he, so he couldn't commit to it. He couldn't, com- he couldn't commit to it, or he maybe didn't want to commit to it. So they decided to bring in, you know, someone new and so on. Because in the mythology of Firestorm, there, there have been different team ups, you know, you know, lineups of Firestorm, you know, in the, the other than Ronnie and um, Martin, there's been Jason and, um, I believe J- Jason and Martin, Ronnie and Jason, and so on. So, uh, and Jason, when, we're t- when we say Jason, we mean Jason Rush, who was introduced on The Flash in an episode last season. But for some reasons, they didn't go that direction. They decided to bring in Jefferson, Jack- Jefferson Jackson, who is, in the comic books was actually best friends with Ronnie. They went to the same high school and um, had a very c- good relationship from what I understood. So... Um, so yeah, it, like 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 you said, if it was because Robbie Mel couldn't commit probably, but you know he's going to be back. We know he's going to be back for you know an episode or two this season again, maybe to kind of wrap up his character arc or you know maybe keep the mystery going. Um, but I really love Jax a lot. I I, I think, like him too, and I yeah. and I like the chemistry he has with Doctor Stein. Yeah, because you know, like something that Phil Klemmer, uh, one of the showrunners of Legends Tomorrow, said to us at Comic Con was that you know. Jax is probably the last person that uh, Mar- Jax is probably the last person that Martin would ever want to share Firestorm with. So you know we have that little banner and so on, which is awesome. I love Franz Drami. Is that how you say? His la- Fr- we will just say Franz, and then you know if he if he listens to the show and wants to correct us, you know let let us know because I I want to learn how to say that last name correctly. But he he was very fun. He was very refreshing, and his character was a lot of fun, and um, his origin reminded me a little bit of Cyborgs, because, you know, he was also a football player that got injured, and, you know, then turned into Cyborg, but, uh, no, but I really loved him. It was just an everyday kid, I felt like, and it was, and it, and it was fun. He, um, he was funny, and I, uh, hopefully, you know, we will see him again before the crossovers, and, um, uh, I mean, before the show you know, before Legends Tomorrow starts, and I, I'm, I'm sure he's probably going to be in the crossover episodes in December. But uh, you know, I genuinely enjoyed him. He um, a lot of a very fun character that I hope we get to see more of. I really liked his character as well, and I thought it. I mean, I think it's always interesting when we get to see who else was affected by the particle accelerator, and I liked how Barry was narrating that opening scene of Jax on the football field. It reminded me a little bit of Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you guys ever watched that series. Is that the TV show um, with Adrian Palicki? Yes. Okay, I haven't seen it, but I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, that, it just reminded me of that a little bit. Just like a, a star athlete, something goes wrong, his life doesn't go the way that he wanted. And I liked how I liked how they addressed the fact that becoming a superhero isn't an easy decision. And even though Caitlin didn't really understand why he wouldn't want to take on the Firestorm mantle, I think Barry knows what that's like because he kind of had to choose what to do with his powers. And the whole just the whole idea of Jack's hesitating and being unsure if he wanted to take on that responsibility was so well mirrored in Cisco because Cisco's in a place right now where he has powers, but he doesn't know what to do with them and he doesn't want to tell anyone. And I kind of like that, that there's this line between I've been given this incredible gift, but it could also be an incredible burden. And I've, I've seen so many people use their powers for evil. I'm not sure if I want to take this on. And I thought that was, I thought the episode was really well layered in terms of asking those questions of, do you really want to be a superhero? Do you really want to have these powers? And I thought it was interesting how um, Jax and Henry Hewitt, 
the other guy who is compatible with Dr. Stein, that they were like two sides of the same coin. How any person who's given metahuman powers, they have the choice to choose what they do with them. And in Henry's case, he chose to use them to harm people. And in Jax's case, he's he's using them to help people. And it's like Cisco is right in that that decision place where he has to decide, you know, am I going to let these powers control me and maybe get out of hand or am I going to use them for good? Something I just wanted to add as a follow-up comment is something I really enjoy with Jax was the fact that in the end, when he decided to become a super, he that wasn't his primary choice you know the reason he did it was because he wanted to save an innocent man that who, who was dying i think that was what i truly loved about him was that he was so n- unselfish that he decided to you know make this big decision that is going to affect his life forever but if it, it's it will save the, ma- the life of another man who is a great man and that that was sick. That's what I felt. There, it's a, he's a true hero, you know, with or without powers, because he was willing to sacrifice his quote-unquote normal life in order to get this, yes, superhero aspect to himself, but he has now saved someone, a, a true great man, basically, and that's that meant a lot to me as a viewer. Yeah, that was powerful. But uh, but but Henry though I am um, I I liked him too you know it's funny because this was a very heavy firestorm heavy firestorm episode because Tokamak uh, Henry Hewitt he's a firestorm villain in the comic books and uh, you know it's kind of funny like how we're getting a firestorm TV show within Flash and Legends of Tomorrow because of all the characters they've used like Plastique Killer Frost Multiplex I'm sure you know I'm sure more are coming um but uh, yeah no I no I. I really enjoyed Jax and, you know, even Henry as well. And so it was, um, it, it, it did go a little bit, I, I thought it was, the pacing was a little odd though, like how quickly Henry went from being, you know, an excited scientist with these powers who just wanted to use them for bad. Well, I think all that is, is just the limitations you have within an episode. You got to make that transformation in less than an hour. And that's just right. You know? Yeah. Uh, did you like Henry? Yeah, I mean, I I thought um, I thought it was a good way to um, set everything up because you know we've talked in the past sometimes about how they'll be dealing with a, a complex issue and yet still feel the need to fit the villain of the weekend, and sometimes it feels like that doesn't always work. Where in this case, because both of these guys were involved in the same complex storyline it 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 made for an easier route to include the villain with everything else they were doing so it gave them a much better way to include a villain with everything else that was going on in this episode to have two guys both fit the bill both you could make an argument for why they'd be a good match to be the other half firestorm one guy doesn't work out and it affects him in more than one way and that comes back to not only affect the heroes in the story but it also ends up being a catalyst for making Jax realize uh, what he's capable of by accepting um, the opportunity to become a hero. And I love what Lauren was talking about in terms of the parallels with, um, you know, with Ronnie and Jax, but also with Jax and Henry being basically two sides of the same coin, but one side, you know, it's basically like, you know, you have, it's a great commentary on combo characters in, in a way, because, this was literally where you had a choice. He could have decided to 
do do something better, but Henry decided not to. But Jax, he did, and I kind of I like that aspect now. That I think about it. Yeah, it takes away the idea that 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 evil is is black or white. That once you get hit by the particle accelerator, accelerator, you're automatically a bad guy because that obviously isn't the case with Barry. He was transformed by the particle accelerator, and he's not this evil person. So it's all about the choices that you make with the power that you're given. And I I really like the fact that Cisco is is stuck in that place right now and i love how martin stein the last thing he said to team flash was he pulled cisco aside and said you really need to tell your friends what's going on because you can't just you know keep this to yourself and i've seen a lot of commentary online where people are talking about how cisco is reliving what harrison wells told him about what did harrison say to cisco like i, I made gave you, you i gave made you these powers and so for him to think that a megalomaniac and a murderer gave him these powers is obviously coloring his view on them. But at some point he needs to tell everybody and hopefully well, I, he tells them soon. I think the other difference, though, too, is the kind of power he has. I mean, you look at when Jax finally embraced himself, he came in there and said, and you still said I could fly, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because everybody totally digs the idea of being a superhero that can fly and have fire and all that sort of thing. This deals with things happening in your head and having flashbacks to some, some pretty tough things to visualize uh, in the process. And I think that too, the kind of power you have might impact whether or not you're willing to embrace it because it's cool if your power is to fly and you can have things fly out of your hands and all that sort of thing. But when you start dealing with things that uh, are are mental and can pop up in any given moment and some of the things you have to view aren't good, that makes it even harder to embrace your power. And if if considering that some of the things you see aren't good and kind of disturbing, you wonder if it's really a power for good even. Yeah, and also, because, and let's remember, he, it's dimension, it's, you know, it's, reality travel too and so on because he's not physically traveling to another reality but it still involves traveling in some ways and that's something that can get maybe even worse so of course you know there's going to be that there's going to be that hesitation so i like that you know first of all i just love martin stein as a man i love victor garber as anything i need to get into aliens i promise you lauren i will get into it but i just i like, love that he had that influence on, on cisco but i love that still that cisco is being very careful with this and so and i think that it's going to be a good build up towards you know because we know he's going to become vibe at some point but it's the journey there and also how he decides to get there that will be the interesting part of the story so let's jump into a different part of this episode. Last week, Joe finally told Iris the truth about her mother, that she didn't die when she was a little girl, but that she was a drug addict and that she was an unsafe person to be around and that she left Central City and that Joe lied about her death. And it's so interesting because Joe was so afraid that Iris was going to be mad at him and not forgive him and shut him out of her life because he was lying to her. And that's not how she reacted. So this week, we actually get to see Iris meet her mom, Francine, played by guest actress Venice Williams. And and how this went down was not how I expected it to go down at all. I, I you know, Iris seemed so level-headed at the beginning of this episode where she was telling Joe, yeah, I'd love to meet her. I'd love to talk to her. I'd love to get to know her. And then she sits down with her and Iris pretty much 
just lays right into her. And that's a really painful scene to watch because obviously this woman has regret about the choices that she made in her past and she's trying to make amends with Iris. And Iris doesn't even let her say anything. And then we find out later her true intentions for being in Central City is because she found out that she's dying. I mean, what did you guys think about Iris's reaction? Do you think do you think it was appropriate for Iris to say, you know what, you had your chance, you blew it, I don't want you in my life? Or do you think she overreacted in any kind of way? Scott, you can start since uh, you weren't here last week, so you can also give a little commentary on her uh, the first part of the introduction. Um, well, you know, by the time the episode was over, I started to think that Iris has anger issues. <laughs> because I not only look at how she handled this, but I remember us talking about how, you know, she would instantly start these aggressive arguments with Eddie while everybody's having dinner and stuff and drug that out for two or three days. And the thing that was challenging for me to some degree in this episode was, okay, you know, I don't know what it's like to be in Iris's position to have this happen to you. And then all of a sudden this woman comes back into into your life and says, Hey, I want to be part of this. I mean, that's something that everyday people deal with and it's, and it's difficult. And I can't say that I know what that's like. However, I think it's interesting that on the one, I didn't understand why she felt the need to meet with her twice just to tell her, to go jump in the lake. That's what I didn't understand. It's one thing to take a mo- take the first meeting and go, look, lady, you know, we don't need you and go away. We're fine. You screwed up. I'm not interested in having you in my life. And then walks out. And really at that point in time, you know, it, it wasn't easy to see because you, you do want to have a little bit of sympathy for her mother. But at the end of the day, that's what she chose. And you figure all said and done. OK, well, then we learn that she's dying. And then Iris chooses to meet with her again, only to do the exact same thing to her. Go, look, lady, <laughs> I don't care. I still think you're a liar. You know, go jump in the lake. I don't care if you're dying or not. Um, leave us alone. And I... <sighs> I wanted to try to help uh, kind of give her the benefit of the doubt the first time, but to agree to meet with her a second time, even while she's dying, just to basically get in her face and tell her to, you know, get the hell out was, was I thought kind of abrasive in a sense. Um, Especially since, you know, she she said she uncovered some other things that she thought her mother was lying about, you know, about uh, the brother and that sort of thing. And I don't understand if she's the investigative reporter. Investigative reporter also asks questions to get answers. And I don't understand why the investigative reporter puts this in front of her mom and says, do I have a brother? And doesn't give this woman a chance to explain before she decides, you know, you're a liar, you're a cheat, you're this, you're just messing with us again. You know, if you're the investigative reporter, yes, you uncovered it, but now you need to ask questions, get answers and not jump to conclusions. And and especially do it in the same fashion that you did the first time, because now you're just giving this woman's hopes up, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting, just to tell her, you know, I'm not interested. Go away. You're an evil woman. See you later. You know, both meetings lasted like two minutes just so she could tell her, you know, to stick it and run off. And I thought I thought that was a little jarring. Yeah, I 
I'm struggling with this and so on. And as a lot of people know, you know, Iris is one of my favorite characters on the show and so on. But that doesn't mean that I always agree with the writing for, for this character and so on. I think this week I was a little... I will say this. I think it was good that Iris finally gets to express some anger and some, you know, emotion of her. You know, because it... While I'm still want, you know, hoping we get to see how she is dealing internally with um, the death of Eddie... I, I I thought it was good that we did get to see her that she was hesitant towards Mama West and so on. Although I think in all fairness that she should have given her a chance to explain and kind of because you're kinda of right, as an investigative reporter, you know, the whole thing is about being an investigative reporter is that you will keep ask, asking questions till you have the full picture. And I mean, you know, look, this is still an origin story, so this could be, you know, a mis- you know, one of the couple of mistakes she's going to be doing as she grows to being the reporter that we know she is in the comic books. So, uh, but yeah, I-, I wish she would have let her mom just talk and just give her something because obviously, you know, we're going to talk about the whole brother thing and so on because, you know, it is something exciting for a lot of DC fans out there as well as us. Um, but when she talks about the sun and so on, you see on Francine's face that it's obviously you know there is something dark behind this and that she wants to explain it to to her daughter but her daughter won't listen so this will be a lesson for Iris to to take in in a, in a, in a very coming time but yeah it was like Lauren said it was a little bit painful to watch I, I will say this it, they, they were all great performances, you know, Jesse L. Martin, Vanessa Williams, and Candace Pan. They were all great, you know. It was, you know, it was a good family drama, but uh, but it was also a very painful family drama to follow. And so because, you know, if, obviously Joe, you even see on his face that you know he kind of wants Iris to, you know, give Francine a little bit of a chance or whatever. So I'm mixed on this. This was something I was very mixed on uh, in this episode. There, there was a, there were a couple of things I was mixed on, but it was a there were powerful scenes that made us really get down to it and just think about it. So like, was this right by Iris? Was this wrong by Iris? You know, is Francine really at a point where she, you know, does she have any authority to just come back into her lives and just ask for another chance? Um, I think the reason she came back is because she wants the brother because she knows she's going to die. Maybe she thinks that there's no hope for her, but that, Iris and Joe can maybe look out for this brother, who we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, what do you guys like? What do you guys think about like Francine's point of view and so on? Because you know, yes, we don't know her. We don't know if we can trust, but we, you know, obviously she is sick. You know, Iris knows it, and you know, we know, and even Joe mentions that Francine would obviously not lie about something like that. So, but how do you look at it from Francine's point of view? That's what I'm wondering. I think. I mean, I think it always comes back to the writing. Because the writers are choosing to introduce this storyline this season, and um, I think I was reading, I was reading an interview with Andrew Kreisberg. I think it was on CBR yesterday, and I think it was a group interview with Danielle Panabaker and Andrew Kreisberg. Um, and he was talking about how I think in season one, even the writers were pretty sure that Iris's mom was dead. That was something that they had decided but then right at the end of season one maybe during the hiatus they started to talk about well we want to introduce wally west how are we going to do that and they started kind of like reverse engineering the idea back to this concept of what if iris's mom 
wasn't dead, what if she had disappeared? So, like, I'm curious to find out where Francine has been for the last 20 years. Because as a writing trope, it's easy to say, oh, I've been gone all this time and now I'm back, you know, to drop this surprise on you. But they have to give her a compelling enough backstory to show why she was gone for such a long time. And, I mean, obviously she she hopefully has a good reason. But, you know, if she was pregnant when she left Central City. And Andrew Kreisberg, spoiler alert, did confirm that Joe is the dad of um, this son. And that it is Wally West. That she was pregnant, that she left. Obviously her life was a mess. You know, she had a substance abuse problem. But at some point she had her son which means she probably got clean and started her life over. So why didn't she ever come back to Central City, especially if Joe didn't pay her off to stay away? Like, I'm really curious to know where she's been and why it's taken her 20 years to finally come back. And hopefully, we, you know, and hopefully she's going to be in, uh, in a few more episodes uh, in the, uh, because you know we don't, you know we're now in episode four. We have five episodes left of this um, this first half because we know episode nine will be the um, will be the last one for 2015. But yeah, I hope so too. You know, I I I think once we get more pictures and you know and more explanations to why she left, why she's been gone for so long, I think maybe it will be easier then. To maybe feel more for her, and maybe Iris will then have a better understanding for for her and so on. Because, you know, we see at the end of the episode that Iris is, you know, she, you know, she's sitting by, you know, alone in the house and crying and trying to deal with this whole thing. So, yeah, I think I, I think it's, it's maybe it's too early to say, you know, was this bad, was this good, and so I, I think we all agree that it, maybe it was a little bit unfair of Iris to be as harsh as she was, or not. Maybe not harsh, but not being complete with uh, letting Francine speak her mind and kind of like at least, you know, whether it's a lie or a truth or something, at least hear it out. Even if you don't want to hear a potential lie and stuff, because you you never know what could be true or not true. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, just for the record, I think Iris's reaction was completely normal. I think when someone finds out that they've been lied to for any length of time... Um, that anger is typically the the first response to that. So I think Iris was justified in her her response. I just I agree. I wish that she had at least asked Francine some questions instead of just interrogating her like Francine was a criminal or something. I I felt I did I did really feel bad for that character. But yeah, but we will and uh, we're going to talk about the the brother thing in a in a, in a bit, but. Before we talk about that, let's talk about Caitlin's role in this episode, because with the, in terms of the new firestorm and all that, because she was. I'm not sure I liked Caitlin that much either in this episode, um, to be honest, because she had a very odd behavior. I, I will let um let you guys talk about it first uh, in terms of how she was dealing with the fact that you know firestorm was now going to be someone else that isn't Ronnie. Well, I mean, I, I, I wonder what you're referring to. Are you referring to when she got in Jax's face about quitting? Yeah, like, there was a lot of that and being so, like, she was almost thinking that you know, well, who doesn't like? I don't like the whole thing she that she went on with the whole. Well, who doesn't want to be a superhero? Like, that's the coolest thing. It's like, 
she thinks that it's just so easy, and I don't think that's well. Some, no, I, I don't. I don't know if it's an easy thing. They were desperate, you know. I think they've grown very attached to Doctor Stein, and they also know the value that he brings, and they also know that he too is a victim of the particle explosion, and he's about to die as a result of it, and they can't do anything about it. And up to this point, they've been able to fix just about everything. And suddenly they can't fix something and it could cost Dr. Stein his life. So, you know, you've got two opportunities and the one guy that said, yes, I'll do it comes in and it doesn't work. And then you've got only one left to save his life. And the guy goes, ah, no, thanks. You know, I think under high stress circumstances like that, you're going to get a little, you're going you're gonna to throw everything out there you possibly can to get the guy to understand why this is a big deal. Because Jax doesn't know Dr. Stein, doesn't know Caitlin, doesn't know anybody. And he's being dragged in here, and they're like, look, man, we need you to come in here and merge with this guy so you can become a superhero uh, but they, and also save this guy's life. But they, you know, it really puts undue pressure on someone to put it in that context, so they had to think of other things to say. And really all they had was superhero <laughs> you yeah. know and then you know and then when he says no i'm not interested then they then they have to really challenge his you know moral fiber in a sense even though that might not be the best tact but they're desperate at this point in time he walks out that door you know dr stein dies and then what are they going to do Lauren, what did you think yeah I thought there was a lot of anger in this episode, and I saw somebody uh, do the meme of the little Inside Out character from Anger, that, like, everyone in this episode was pretty much blowing their top. And, you know... I, the Fury not, we... of Firestorm. Uh-huh. Ah! Uh, uh, <laughs> <Fozzie> Bear. <laughs> whether or not we agree with those choices, it definitely makes for a compelling episode of television because characters that are usually very cool and very calm and very collected and whose feathers never get ruffled despite crazy things going on in their city. I kind of appreciate the fact that Iris was kind of a bitch to her mom and the fact that Caitlin was a, you know, kind of treating Jax the same way. I mean, these are, you know, these characters have real emotions and real reactions to things. And like for Caitlin, I was watching I was watching her get angry and I was watching her push jacks and my first thought was dang Caitlin like what's wrong with you you know he's just a young man who who could end up saving Dr. Shane's life why are you pushing on him so hard but then I kept thinking oh my god this has nothing to do with jacks this has to do with Caitlin is having to replace her husband and metaphorically she is having a really, really hard time with it. So I think why she wanted Hewitt to be the new Firestorm guy is because he reminded her of Ronnie because of his science background. And it was a, he was a kindred spirit and somebody that she could talk to because of uh, his education and his experience. And I think she was trying to cling on to any sense of anything that reminded her of her fiance, but then to really come down to it, she didn't want to replace him because once Firestorm was replaced, that would mean that Ronnie was really gone. And so I think that's why she was this kind of tidal wave of emotion of being supportive one minute and being negative the next and taking it all out on Jax. And I love the fact that 
she found him at his garage and she apologized and that she really opened up to him about who Ronnie was to her and that he was a hero. And that fact is what got Jax to say yes, because he said, oh, your husband was the flying man, the, the man who was on fire, who saved Central City. So even though it was a little hard to see her be angry, I thought it came full circle with her just coming to the like realization that it was time to really, really, really let go of Ronnie and let a new person take his place. And I think that explains a lot of why she was unnaturally or kind of out of character angry, because I think any of us would be in the same situation. I was rewatching this episode with my with my best friend Rob that um, this uh, the same night, and I he he made a very good point about Caitlyn, which I I I, don't, I think he was maybe maybe a little bit harsh on that, but he kind of made a good point that you know she seems to have been so distracted by Jay for the past few weeks and so on, and as acting as as if she's kind of sort of already started moving on from Ronnie, but then she t- pulls a 180 in this episode, finding out where Jay isn't even in that, and she is all about and so 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 i and i kind of thought even i thought it was hard i did find a good point in what he was saying that it was innocent she has such a 180 like and i'm not talking about love relationship and no shipping here now we're just talking about you know human emotion based and so on that she seemed to have already started moving on a little bit by having someone like jay in her life you know not you know not as a love interest but you know maybe as just someone to kind of focus on and then this week suddenly it's like we're almost back in episode one where she had when she was struggling with the loss of Ronnie at, in six months later. So well, I, 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 think that's, I think that's normal too. Anybody that's lost somebody like that will tell you they have good days and bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I totally agree with that. That's why I thought Rob was maybe a little bit hard, but I thought it was something that it was worth bringing up because I hadn't thought about it in that perspective until he pointed it out because there's a lot of things he points out when we watch TV, and sometimes, most of the time, they're they're weird. But for once, he did bring up something clever. But um, but yeah, no. But like Lawrence said, there was a lot of anger in this episode, and uh, you know, I think both Caitlin and Iris did it in good ways, but also in maybe some bad ways as well. But yeah, but it's good that maybe it's because we're not used to seeing these characters being anger and so on, like, you know, because in season one there wasn't that much anger from them and so on, because like Scott, like you said. Um, at least when it comes to Caitlyn, you know, they were used to, most of the time, just being able to solve everything because there was a solution to everything. But for the first time, or for the, for the first time in a long time at least, they were almost at the point where they, there was no... They had used up all the ideas they had. There was no more other choices available. And, um, and you know, and with Iris and it, look, I think anyone who says that Iris had no reason to be angry last season, you need to really watch season one because, yeah... If everyone is lying to you, yeah, you can be as angry for, for, for as much how, for as long as you want as how much you want. Because, yeah, if everyone in my life, including my parents, were lying to me, yeah, I would be like, uh-uh, I ain't playing that game. So, but yeah, there was, a, you know, like Lauren said, a lot of anger in this episode. Um, not, definitely not just the fury of Firestorm. So, um, Kind of the fury of everybody. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I will stop with the fuzzy beer. But um, but yeah, I think um, I think that wraps up that discussion point at least. Well, after that sorted itself out, and we have Jax as as the new counterpart to Firestorm, and we now have 
Henry as Tokamak, it comes down to the big showdown between the two of them and the Flash at the football field as Tokamak was in the process of recharging and then finds himself having to take both the Firestorm and the Flash on. What did everybody think about that showdown? It was a fun showdown. I Look, I like I liked Ron, I loved Ronnie's Firestorm, but when especially when he was fighting with the Flash against the villain, but I sort of like the new Firestorm a little bit better, you know, in terms of, you know, fighting together with the Flash and going up against the bad guy and uh I thought visually it was stunning to watch just because of all the powers and so on. Because I'm not familiar with Tokamak, so I'm not sure if the powers that we saw being presented there was something from the comics or not. But I thought it was just visually beautiful to look at. And, you know, seeing them playing that game with him and just ticking off. <laughs> Caitlin basically is saying over the monitor, just piss him off till his, uh, till his fuse goes off. <laughs> I thought it was fun, too. And I, I like the fact... It's always fun to watch somebody discover their powers. And it's definitely the place that Jax is in right now. And Andy, I know that you've brought this up before and um, mm-hmm. some of you know that I recapped the flash for comic book resources. And there've been a lot of comments about this subject that every metahuman that the flash has gone up against in season two, Barry has killed or they have died. And that is very, it's, a, it's just unlike Barry to take a life. And it hasn't really been addressed on the show yet. But I, I know, Andy, you brought it up. And this was the first metahuman that didn't die at the end of the episode. I think they said they were going to put him in the pipeline. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if they did that intentionally or or what. But I was afraid that if, if he was going to die as well, that there really would be a theme of kind of like, what does it mean that the Flash is killing metahumans? Yeah, and no, I think it was... Jax was uh, just so much fun overall in the whole episode. Like, from him becoming Firestorm being... As I, you said I will fly, right? <laughs> uh, I just... Yeah, I um, I just wish they could give Firestorm a costume for the love of God. Can we stop just putting them in, like, street clothes and just put on the Matrix? Like, give, them, give, the, give the brother uh, a uniform. But let's get to this big reveal now, as Lauren mentioned as, um, a little bit earlier, that... Francine has a son, and yes, it has been confirmed that the son is none other than one Mr. Wally West. And before we move on, I'm just going to say this. I effing called it. It feels so good to actually be right about that because I've been so wrong on so many theories with The Flash lately that I was just so... I, I dropped everything when the minute Iris said, you have more secrets... How, you know, when she says son, I'm like, oh, mother of effing God, it's Wally, it's Wally. And the producers, uh, Andrew Kreisberg has confirmed that because right after the episode aired, every single outlet that was uh, invited to that screening released interviews with them. And they said that it is Wally and that, that that's, it is, you know, they're talking about that's Iris is not going to be put in the position of that uh, Barry and Joe was last season with keeping the secret from her, but now she's the one keeping secrets from them. So, and that will be interesting how it executes. But uh, I want to talk with you, Scott, because I know you're not that, you know, you're, you're not big comic person. So maybe Wally is someone very new to you, but how do you think, you know, from what you know about him, from maybe what I've been saying about him, maybe what Matt Moore from comic book noob has been saying and so on. How did you feel about this reveal that 
he's going to be the brother of Iris West. Um, I actually didn't have an opportunity after the show was over to see everybody come out and confirm, or at least see that confirm. So, uh, <laughs> in a sense, I'm kind of learning about it now. <laughs> well, that's what uh, I'm here for, Scott. I'm here to yes. ruin your sport. <laughs> I'm sorry about it. That's how that's how uh, busy things have been on my end. Um, I mean, you know, I I because I don't have a, a deep rooted um investment in in how those things shake out in the comics i mean the only reaction i have is well that's interesting let's see where that goes iris's um new arc of having to you know how she's going to be handling this uh, this secret and so on well you know we're she's kind of unpredictable so you know um i i guess she has reasons to be a little nicer to her brother than her mom because uh, you know that's something that's a little bit out of his control um but, you know, that just goes to show you that this was, I mean, we, when when she, her mom first showed up, it was at the tail end of that episode, and we all just kind of went, huh, what's the purpose of that? But we all know that they don't it, bring people in like that without a reason, and without a, a very good reason, more often than not. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, that just shows that this was a little bit more than just presenting Iris and Joe with this challenging family uh, problem, uh, that there was uh, bigger things they had in mind for the overall show. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing to always keep in mind is when these things happen, there's usually a pretty in-depth reason and right away you don't always know why, but eventually it becomes apparent why they're doing some of the things they're doing in the show even at surprising and seemingly un- unopportune times, and I like that. If I may read this quote uh, by Andrew Kreisberg, because I like, you know, I know there's a lot of discussion now going on be- uh, between comic book fans and so on, because I know a lot of people wanted to see Wally as the nephew of Iris. But I kind of like what Andrew Kreisberg pointed out here in this interview about why they did it the way they they did. So by saying this uh, in an interview with ET Online. We always knew we were leading up to this, and rather than suddenly having some cousin that inexplicably appears, we always hate. We always hated on TV shows, and somebody's like, "Well, cousin John is coming," and it, and it's like, "Good old cousin John," when no, who no one mentioned before. The notion that they didn't know Wally was sort of where that came from, which makes a lot of sense. That's why I like the fact that she's going to be her big, his big sister, and I think it's going to be, a, it's going to be nice to see. A little different take, but it's still going to be just as great, though. I think just you know, an aunt and a nephew as opposed to a big sister and a little brother. And I, I think it's it's going to be just as great. And um, and Keenan Lonsdale, who's been cast as Wally West, did I say the name right, uh, Lauren? Because I know you were able to say the name right, but I'm never able to. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, but uh, he's going to be showing up in in the winter, so I, I suspect he's going to be making his debut in the in the midseason premiere. So maybe the midseason finale will be setting him up a lot, and maybe. There are bigger things to come. But uh, Lauren, what do you think of this this Wally reveal? Because I know you're you know you're kind of getting now into the comic world, especially with the Flash. So like, what did you think of this reveal that Wally is um, Iris's brother? Well, unfortunately, the East Coast completely spoiled it for me. Which I, I wasn't even on Twitter, but I think I have I think I have Grant Gustin on mobile notifications. And the second the episode was over, he retweeted an article that pretty much spoiled everything. I was like. David Grant. 
Twitter I love is a, you, but why? Twitter is a dangerous place. It really, really, really is, especially for me, because I have a lot of people on mobile notifications because I like to stay up to date on everything. But, you know, during live tweeting, it's it's really frustrating. But so I was totally spoiled on it. And I thought, OK, I, I know that reveal is coming. Um, and so I think the like the effect of that reveal didn't get to make as big of an impact on me because I had I had read about it beforehand. But. Okay, you have to clear something up for me, because if I'm confused about this, and it's my job to keep this all straight, then I'm pretty sure listeners and viewers are probably confused about this, too. Okay, so Fran Germain is Jefferson Jacks Jackson, and he is the new Firestorm. We were talking about him earlier, and he and Martin Stein have gone off to Pittsburgh to study more about their powers, right? Yes. Whoever okay. this friend is, is becoming like a bit, because I want to... Will we, will we ever see this damn friend of his? Because I'm like, why are they not showing him? Right, only well, said it was a her. It's a female doctor. So wait a minute. What if it's Amy? What if, when <laughs> what if when Amy is not on the show? What if she's actually in Pittsburgh, helping uh-huh. Firestorm? Amy, this explains so much and yet so little. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so Franz Germain, Jack Jackson, Victor Garber, Martin Stein, they are off the show for the time being. And we're hopefully going to see them in the Flash Arrow crossover, which is episode eight, correct? Yes. Okay. And that is supposed to introduce the team that is going to be leading Legends of Tomorrow, right? Yes. Okay. So Victor Garber and Franz Germain are going to be on Legends of Tomorrow with Brandon Routh and Katie Lotz and... CRNA and all those people. CRNA and all those people. And Arthur Darville! Yes, my favorite, 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 favorite British actor. Um, so then we, because I remember, I think this is what got me confused, is that Franz Germain was cast around the same time Kenyon Lionsdale was cast. No, uh, he was cast early, like before the season finale of Aaron and Flash. Wally got cast like in August or September. Well, f- maybe for me, my wires got crossed. Okay. And so when I was like thinking about this episode in my head, I was thinking, wait, is... Is Franz going to be the new? Is he going to be Wally West? Uh, I don't know. I just, I got super confused. So, yeah, a lot of people keep, were speculating. Just to though. keep the record straight. So, Wally West has been cast. Um, it's Kenyon Lionsdale, and he was in, was he the actor who was in? Divergent or something? I think so. Yeah, he was in uh, Allegiant, the Divergent sequel. Insurgent. He was in Insurgent. Um, so we know that he's cast, we know that he's coming, and then obviously he was announced last night not as a distant relative of Iris West, but a direct relative, her brother. And so the question you asked was, what do I think about Wally West coming on the show and the fact that Iris now gets to keep a secret? One, I think Wally West coming on the show is fantastic. And the fact that they've already announced Jesse Quick and we have Zoom, like they're introducing a lot of speedsters. Um, I'm curious to know if he already has speed powers, if he already I, has I powers. hope not because I want to see, you know, this is the first time Wally West will ever be in live action. This is the first time he's making his debut now from the comic books. If, we, if when he becomes the speedster that we know him as, it needs to be on screen. So I think he's going to be powerless uh, when we first meet him. And um, actually, you know what? I, I will take that back. I know he's he's going to be powerless when we meet him because I don't think they would just have him like, oh, hey, I'm I'm Wally West. And uh, yeah, I've been having speed powers for 
a couple years, and I'm just gonna use them now. So I, th- I think the accident will be happening on screen for all of us to see. Okay, so see, this is what's interesting is that when when a TV show says something, says a name like Wally West, everyone who's read the comics completely goes crazy because they know who this character is. But for the rest of us who aren't as familiar with comics, like they didn't even say Wally West's name in the episode. So for like just a regular person who's sitting at home in their living room, all they know at this point is that Iris has younger brother who would be what five years younger than her six she, years younger than her she, iris said that she le- she was pregnant eight months after she left and francine was pregnant eight months after she left central city the thing is they've never said what year it was um maybe our listeners the, if our listeners know how old iris was when francine left maybe then we can kind of do the math and see what year it was Okay. I think Joe had said it was right around the time that Nora Allen had died. So, and Barry said he was 12, right? You know, when he, when I, when my mom was, when I was 12, my mom was murdered. I'm trying to remember like how he says the intro um, and whatever. So I guess. (sighs) So it's possible that there could be a a significant age gap between them. Maybe he's in high school. Yeah. yeah, and so at this point, that's all we know. All we know is that Iris has a brother. And for people who don't read a lot of internet news, it's not confirmed on the show that Joe is his dad. So for her, in her mind, she has a half-brother, maybe. And so at some point, they're going to have to discover the fact that he's actually her full brother, that Joe has a son, and if Francine is going to die... That means that Francine is, if he's still in high school, Francine is going to have to transfer custody to Joe if she never remarried. I mean, there's a whole, there's a lot of ramifications that the fact that she's dying is going to have on the show. But the fact that Iris has to keep a secret from Team Flash, I hate that. Can I just say that? I hate that. The the whole reason that I had trouble with Iris's character last season is because secrets were keeping her out of Team Flash. And I was so excited for this season. Now she knows everything. Everything's out on the table. She can be a part of Team Flash. She gets to go rest, you know, take down bad guys and then write about it. I was super excited. And now she has to keep a secret from everybody, which is just going to put distance between her and the rest of these characters. So I hope that this what? is a secret that she only keeps a few episodes and then everything comes out because I don't like secrets. I-, I think that's the case. But honestly, I also think that, look... There's she has no reason to tell someone like Caitlin and Cisco and I, like, you know this is more this is not a Team Flash secret this is a Family West secret that they're dealing with so I think that you know she you know she you know she doesn't have to she she has no obligation to tell uh, Cisco and Caitlin and Martin and everyone else that she has that she's found out that she has a brother you know it's more relevant that she's keeping the secret from. Joe and Barry, but I like I said, I, what Scott said a couple of minutes ago, you know that Iris, you know, can sometimes surprise you. So who knows? Maybe she is gonna reveal sooner than we think that that there's a, there's a fourth member uh, of this family, and um, and I think I did read somewhere in an interview that it is Joe's son. So I guess Joe is gonna be like, well, when did? When did this happen? What like what did we? When did this happen? Like he's gonna probably have that big WTF re- reaction. So, but um, but yeah, no, it 
it's definitely big, but I'm excited about it because, you know, I love Wally West, and I'm excited to see him finally come to life. But Wally isn't the only one that was, you know, that is being pr- set up to come to life on the show. We did have a giant reveal that I think everyone lost their bleep over. King freaking Shark. I cannot stress enough how much I geeked out when a giant shark just showed up behind Barry and st- and st- said that he was after him as well. Scott, what did you think of the uh, of the appearance of King Shark? A giant-ass shark, just like <laughs> a giant-ass gorilla that can talk. Well, it was just it was just so great how they set the whole thing up and, you know, I it was definitely that plus how you know, the shark was taken down, literally made for the best ending of the season so far. Uh, but I just love how they set it up where they teased you with in the beginning and then there towards the end, they made it look like, oh, it was nothing. And then right there at the last second, this big, big old hand ends up grabbing Barry. And, and then all of a sudden you get that wide shot of that, like you said, big ass shark standing there holding him. I mean, that was, I mean, yeah, who, who saw that coming? Um, I didn't see that coming. And I just, I thought it was fun how they kind of teased you with it. Like they were just going to drop the name in a way or drop the, the presence of him possibly. And then make you kind of forget about it. And then boom, there he is. He actually exists. Uh, and then, like I said, that plus the element of, uh, how he got out of that mess ended up being easily the coolest and best ending of the season so far. And Lauren, what did you think? Like, how on a scale from one to ten, how much did you freak out when you just saw out of nowhere a shark, <laughs> a giant ass shark? I cannot stress you enough how big that freaking shark was. <laughs> oh, I gasped because you know you see Barry outside jitters, and there's kind of a voiceover, and it was a kind of a quiet moment, and then out of nowhere, there's this huge hand, and I I gasped. So loud in my house last night, and my first thought was, "Oh my God, it's Grod!" And Grod is going to pick up, right? And Grod is going to pick up Barry, and then you know Barry turns, and it's this huge shark. And I know a lot of uh, comic book fans are really excited about that moment because oh, they lost their bleed like crazy, right? Because you never expect to see something that unique and detailed on television. But the visual effects team over at the Flash yeah. uh, props is to Armin once again. Like, how, like Emmys, the next next year you will nominate him again, and this time you will make him win because how did he not? I don't know. It's amazing. Armin's work on this show. It, it's it's movie effect. It's movie quality. I love it. Oh, I just yeah, I thought that was really cool, and the fact that Patty got to kind of bust out her gun, try to save the Flash. I liked that. Show, show me, show me your head, uh, your your fans. Like, I yeah. kind of like. If he had actually done it, I would have laughed my ass up so hard because I'm like, it it's gonna it would look so goofy. But um, but Lauren, how did he? How did Barry get out of that mess? Well, you know, Killer Shark and Wally West were not the only surprises of the episode, if you can believe that. Um, A certain Harrison Wells came to Barry's rescue, which was a huge surprise. 
Um, we saw Harrison come through the portal at the end of last week's episode. And then this week we saw him kind of lurking around Star Labs, not saying anything. He just kind of... Worst security a- ever, by the way. Like, that he can <laughs> right. just... Like, is, is, is that just something that we're just going to see in Greg Bolandi shows that all facilities just have awful security? No matter how much <laughs> money you pay, no matter how many guards you have. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yes, he's lurking around Star Labs, and then we see him break into Mercury Labs later to steal some kind of tech, which... From Tina McGee. What? From Tina McGee again, which was not, who was awesome to see again. Yes. And then we see Harrison use whatever tech that was to save Barry from Killer Shark at the end of the episode. So, um... What do, you, what do you guys think about Harrison Wells being back? Do you guys think he's a good guy? He's a bad guy? He's neutral? Um, Scott, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, the the first thing that struck me was, um, you know, what a great moment it was, especially all of us that loved what Tom Cavanaugh did last season. And I think of a lot of the talk we had at the end of last season and going into this season about if this series was going to have a dramatic shift in in how he'd have to play this character we liked so much last year from that, you know, conniving, uh, <laughs> manipulative kind of bad guy to, you know, Mr. Nice Scientist. <laughs> and I, what struck me is the reintroduction of him. They figured out ways to still make him kind of mysterious, even if his intentions might be different this year. Um, you know, because we saw, uh, last season when he was with his um fiance his uh his wife you know he was just this really smart kind of you know everyday guy and then you know when he when his identity was taken over obviously a new presence took over um so i like how at least in the early going despite that uh w- we were wondering you know how he was going to be presented to us this year they've still managed to figure out a way at least early on to make him still somewhat mysterious um even though as you were saying we don't know what his intentions um are but i have to think that you know he's earth too and he's um there to kind of help the effort um at least initially i think i don't i don't have the impression right now that he's out to get Barry, but you know, there's this show's been known for certain twists in that arena that we don't see coming. But like I said, the the big thing for me as a fan of Tom's and as a fan of that character, I've I've loved how they've managed to keep a mysterious element to his presence in the second season. Uh ranging from, you know, his first appearance to wandering around Star Labs and that ending uh, moment that uh, he got with Killer Shark or and uh, and Barry there at the end. Yeah, I I wonder what the tech was that he did use on King Shark. Yeah, it's, I thought it was the, the just a mini version of the um, the cold gun, but obviously that wasn't the case. But yeah, no, I agree. I I love the twist. I love the mysteries. And uh, like uh, like Scott said, I don't think he's gonna be evil Harrison I think he's gonna be, I, I think that I, I'm still leaning towards my anti-hero fear that he's gonna be a little bit between the light and darkness so um but but overall as is that you know we had a few quips with this episode but overall this was a very powerful episode in terms of 
tone and emotions, I think. Um, any final words about uh, the episode before we move on to uh, feedback from the listeners? Nope, just that it was a good episode, a good episode with, uh, like I said, the best ending of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, even I mean, you say there's quips with the with the show, but really, in a lot of ways, it was a show that generated tons of discussion, and those are the best kind. Insert Andrew Garfield the gif up from Spider-Man One where he says, "But those are the best kinds." I, <laughs> sorry, that's what it went <laughs> into my head <laughs> when you when you said that. So, uh, Laura, any final words? Um, yeah, I really liked the episode. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was engaging. It was fantastic to watch the birth of a new superhero, to watch a young man get a second chance. And I love what Caitlin said to him about you can give to people, you can give back to people what the particle accelerator took from you. And I thought that was a really good look at um, just how how people can use their powers for good. And I like the fact that they they didn't kill Hewitt at the end. They did put him in the pipeline, which is always kind of awkward, but um, I'm glad that he didn't die. I'd like to see him on the show again. I really like that actor. Um, he's fantastic in the first season of 12 Monkeys. And yeah, Harrison Wells, Wally West, King Shark, just tons of really, really, really great um homages to the comic books the one thing that i didn't like about this episode is there was no jay garrick and i'm a big jay garrick fan at the moment i think we yeah i totally i I think we all are once again so i still find it so hilarious how you and amy swap for you know for that episode when you were supposed to come on and amy's like no way i really really want to do so i'm like yeah well we did well i totally get it because it's like barry and felicity has been using this word a lot it's where it was her jam so yeah but you know We'll see Jay hopefully next week. Um, I wonder where he went though. Honestly, maybe he went to yeah, Star, like, Star does, City. Does he have an Does he have an apartment? Does he live somewhere? Like, like how did he, he survive for six months like without any? Like, he doesn't have a job. I just like, how did he live on food and and stuff like that? So, ah, never mind. We can move on from that. Jay Garrick is just awesome because Teddy's here is, is awesome. But uh, but let's get to some uh, quick listener feedback, uh, Scott. Uh, what did they have to say about Episode 4, Fury of Firestorm? Uh, people had very similar reactions to ours. Um, our first one here on Twitter is at Hall underscore Randy19, who says, I feel like this is more of an emotional episode than an action one. Most action was towards the end, the very end. At Pacing Pete says, I'm so in awe right now. Good episode. That ending had me like, insert Stephen Colbert mind blown gif. Yeah, he tweeted, <laughs> he tweeted a gif to us, but I couldn't incorporate it into the document for some reason. Yeah. So I have to like, write like, that like, in parentheses just to insert that, and that explains uh, what the ending <laughs> did to Pete. <laughs> yeah. From, from our good friend Pete from Senior Nerd, uh, which yes. you can find over at seniornerd.com. And at BJP211 said, cool new Firestorm, Miss Ronnie, though. Wally equals at least Irish half-brother. Also, what an ending, Killer Shark and Wells. A freaking giant-ass shark. I can't get over that fact that we... And all and like I've been seeing the screenshot that people have been posting, and it's like, I can't believe this is a show I'm doing a podcast about. I'm getting to talk about an awesome TV show that can have giant gorillas, giant sharks. I'm... I'm just wondering how long it is before they insert that shark into the video footage of Katy Perry's halftime show or taking one of 
uh, the sh- dancing sharks from <laughs> from that halftime show and putting love it sharks. <laughs> yeah, love sharks. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but um, but guys, thank you so much for tweeting in your your feedback. And uh, as always, if you want to have your thoughts read on the show, just tweet us at the Flash Podcast on Twitter. Uh, but that's gonna wrap our episode discussion uh, part of this uh, of this episode. We're gonna do some quick plugs, and then we're gonna talk get some spoilers for next week's episode. So first off. Scott, what is coming up on Assembly Geeks and your other projects that you're doing? Uh, and where can people find you on social media? Well, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Scott Murray, and Assembly of Geeks this week uh, has a lot to talk about. Um, tied to the Flash, um, we, we found, um, actually, Jeff found a top 30 list of what uh, the writer called the best uh, comic book pilots top 30 and the flash is on that list and uh we talk about that in the first segment we go through the list it's it's literally everything from the old superman and superboy t- uh, tv shows and wonder woman and the 60s batman series to agents of shield agent carter the flash and ranks all of the the pilots not the shows themselves but the pilots and it was a really interesting discussion um, I also talk a little bit about on the show about my first trip back to Universal as a Harry Potter fan, which was kind of unique. And then we talk about our initial reactions to the Force Awakens trailer um, that uh, we obviously saw um, a few days ago. And it's it's not as in-depth of a discussion as maybe you hear on other podcasts, and that's because – you know, uh, Disney's done such a really good job of really limiting what we know. And a lot of people like to use that to speculate heavily as to what's going on. Um, but the three of us are trying to find kind of a balance between speculating, but then at the same time limiting it because we really just want that film to be to divulge everything as we watch it. So we limit our speculation. We have a little bit, but we just talk about our reactions to it. And uh, that that was also uh, a really fun discussion because everybody had an opinion on that. And we also go through how many times that thing was viewed just in that day and the corresponding ticket sales that went along with it. So we talk about that, and we've got a new um, really good episode of the Gamers Dominion, our Gamers podcast, uh, this week as well. And that's all at assemblyofgeeks.com. Yeah, I just just did it in. Wink, wink. Okay. Uh, That trailer blew me away. Um, Lauren, this is a big week for you because um, our website tomorrow report is up to some big adventures. Um, So, and also uh, make sure to tell everyone what's what's happening for that and what your other products that you're doing and where people can find you on social media. Yes, so you guys can find me on Twitter at Lauren Galloway, and as Andy said, we are doing a lot of really awesome stuff at the Marvel Report. For any listeners who are going to be at Stanley's Kamikaze this weekend in Los Angeles, we are going to be promoting the new Netflix series Jessica Jones pretty heavily, and we are going to be partnering with a domestic abuse charity to raise money for them and to bring awareness and uh, protection 
to victims of domestic abuse because that is something that Jessica herself deals with. Um, we're going to be fundraising for that in the month of November. You can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at The Marvel Report. We're also going to be doing a cosplay meetup and some fun stuff for Agent Carter. And we're doing Jessica Jones character profiles. So lots of good stuff on The Marvel Report. I'm also recapping The Flash and Arrow for comic book resources. And you can follow them on Twitter at CBR. And my recaps usually go up Tuesday nights for The Flash and Wednesday nights for Arrow. And I'd love to just interact with you guys in the comment section on those posts if you ever get a chance to read those. Um, what else? I'm doing a weekly uh, pop culture column for Tracking Board. And I can announce this here because the paperwork has been filed. Drum roll, I... please. Drum roll. Um, in addition to all of the great sites that I get to contribute to, I will be officially starting at HitFix this week. Um, I'll be contributing to their pop culture blog, HitFix Harpy. So I'm really Woo! excited about that. Cute. Cue the song from Beyonce, Run the World, because that's what Lauren is doing. <laughs> and we're taking the Flash podcast to Heroes Villains Fan Fest in San Jose in November. You know what? And uh, and the booth, by the way, that we're going to have on Kamikaze is booth 1710. So uh, make sure to... Uh, and you're going to be... We, we're going to be the Saturday and Sunday, right? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. See, I'm. This is what happens when Annie doesn't get any sleep. He forgets an important day of this uh, big event. So, booth seventeen ten, meet us there. Uh, I won't be there sadly, but uh, some of my amazing members from the Mall Report will be there, including Amy and Lawrence. So make sure that you swing by and uh, have a marvelous time with them. And you can find the Flash podcast um, all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Vine, and Periscope, all under the Flash Podcast. Our website, theflashpodcast.com, where you get not just the latest news about this awesome podcast, but also about The Flash itself, you know, with uh, casting news, photos, subscriptions, summaries, and and trailers, and more. Uh, Adam has some cool stuff coming up for the site, so make sure to tune in for that. Um, Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, Subscribing to us on iTunes should also make you rate and review us on iTunes as well because it does help us a lot so the more exposure we get the more you know five stars we get and so on the more exposure the podcast gets and the more we can do for you to our amazing listeners out there and we're part of the DCT podcast network so you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook at DCT podcast and visit the website at dctpodcast.com along with subscribing to the mega feed DCT podcast uh, any questions for us at the podcast anything about the flash anything email us at theflashpocket at gmail.com. And if you want to follow my stuff from um, TV Overmind and Heroic Hollywood and uh, what I'm doing with Mall Report and my other DC projects, follow me at AnnieBite on Twitter. And um, yeah, that's about it. So we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, We're going to jump into the spoiler section. So if you're not sticking around for the spoilers, for all of our amazing teammates here on the Flash Podcast, I'm Andy B. I'm Scott Murray. I'm Lauren Galloway. And we will see you next time on the Flash Podcast.
another visitor from your Earth. Meet Dr. Harrison Wells from Earth 2. Hi. Hi. I'm guessing you didn't travel between dimensions just to meet the Flash. That's exactly what I did. Zoom's infected my world. Now he's coming for yours. You're not ready to fight Zoom. You're the superhero, Flash. Do your job. What do you know about Zoom? Everything. I created Zoom. Flash, only this Tuesday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And welcome back. What you just heard was the audio for the trailer for next week's episode of The Flash called The Darkness and the Light. And Lauren's going to read you the official description of that episode and what DC character is coming to The Flash. So, Lauren, take it away. Dr. Light comes through the breach. Barry learns a new breacher, Dr. Light, has come through the portal and sets off to capture her. Jay Garrick tells Barry that Dr. Light was not a threat on Earth 2 and that Barry can reason with her. However, during a fight with the Flash, she blinds him and drops some shocking news about Zoom. Meanwhile, Barry and Patty go out on a date. Steve Schill directed the episode, written by Arrow's Ben Sokolowski and Grain Grainy Godfrey. Yes, I think that's... I, I still need to learn the... How to pronounce that name, and and as you heard in the trailer, there's a there's a there's a big Harrison part in this episode. Uh, he created our bad boy, and holy crap, did Zoom look terrifying more this time around? What do we think, guys, uh, about this trailer and what we know about this episode? Any speculations? No speculations. Just glad that. Um... Wells is now getting back involved in the season. Scott, do you have a man crush for Tom Cavanaugh? No, I just think, um, you know, I just think his um, presence was a a, a key element to what made the show great. And, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just good to have a have him back in it. I was was teasing out of it, but yeah, I I totally agree. It's going to be. I'm hoping for some flashbacks from Earth 2. I really, I, I want more flashbacks from Earth 2. You know, unlike Arrow, you know, whose flashback storylines this season is just, let's just say it's. I, I'm completely bored by the flashbacks on Arrow right now. I want, you know, the Earth 2 stuff just gets me all jazzed. Hopefully, we'll see some of that. Um, Lauren, any thoughts? I'm stoked. I know that Twitter has been really excited about Doctor Light, and maybe Andy, you can share a little bit about her. Um, I think I've said this before. I love it when we get female metahumans on the show because predominantly the metahumans on the show are guys. And so I think it's fun to see, to see women have powers on the show. And then yeah, Harrison Wells. I mean, I think I said this in the season finale, you know, when we watched Harrison Wells die, my, I was, I had such a dual response to that because I was glad that Eobard Thawn was no longer around to terrorize Team Flash, but I was sad that we were losing Tom Cavanaugh because he is one of my all-time favorite actors. He's just such a delightful, really upbeat guy, and I love the way that he plays Wells. And so I'm stoked that he's back. And I love the fact that he's out of the wheelchair and that he gets to, you know, stretch his legs a bit. And I think you're right. I think he's going to be more of an anti-hero because... Uh, if Jake Eric said that the particle accelerator on Earth 2 exploded two years ago, which is around the same time that it exploded on Earth 1, well, I don't think it was ever supposed to explode. I forget what the 
I don't think anything is. Wait. I don't think anything is ever supposed to explode. I think when it happens, it's usually accidental. Um, I don't know, but maybe it, there's, maybe there's, there's a twist on Earth too. Maybe they were, it was supposed to explode. Maybe it was just like, hey, let's just have this thing explode and give us some powers. Could happen. Well, that's, well, that's what I'm thinking is that Airborne intentionally made it explode in Earth One, and if it also exploded in Earth Two, that means that Harrison Wells could have made it explode then. So it seems like people are playing with particle accelerators, which is not a good thing because uh, people could die. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with this version of Harrison Wells. And I think it's great that Tom Cavanaugh gets to play such a diversity of characters. I'm just curious to towards why we still don't know who is playing Dr. Lai. That, you know, obviously they've cast someone, but for some reason we still don't know who it is. And... I'm wondering if that's about to come out in the coming days or something like that because I I still don't know who it is. I, I that's why I don't know anything about about this version of Doctor Light. But I'm excited to see to see her. Hopefully that isn't someone that just gets put in the pipeline or gets killed off. You know, like maybe I want some more recurring guest actors, uh, guest characters on the, on the show. So hopefully we'll see see something like that. But um, I think that's going to be it for us for this week's episode of, of the Flash Podcast. So, guys, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, have a good one.